0: This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Well, good morning, River Church. Um, Before we jump in, I have to um, begin by apologizing for something that I said last week. Um, if you were here last week, I mentioned that I was so thankful for my three kids. <laughs> now, some people are laughing because what you if you don't know. I only have two kids. <laughs> and so a lot of people thought that I had made an impromptu announcement last week that I was not making. So, um, unless the Lord is just prophesying over something or whatever, speaking through me in some crazy way, I only got two kids. And for the hopefully foreseeable future, I only got two kids. Unless there's a third one, which I'm very grateful for. All right. So, you with me? So, I said the three publicly. I felt like I had to retract it publicly so I could just squash that. So, um, it's probably one of the oddest things I've ever had to apologize for on a Sunday morning. Um, but, Anyways, one more thing before we jump in. Um, if you have your communication card this morning, I want you to do me a favor. Um, of course, fill out. you can fill out the prayer request part. I would love for some info from you if you want to do that. If you have questions or anything like that, I would love that. But I, I need you to help me with some research. I, there's three questions I want you to answer on that communication card. I'm telling you now so you can just ignore me while I'm preaching and go ahead and fill out those questions. Okay? So here's those three questions. What's your feedback? One, what's a topic? that you would like to hear talked about? Number two, what's a question that you have about the Bible? And number three, what's your favorite sermon series uh, that we've done uh, maybe since in your time at the River Church? And if you would fill that out, um, it would help me out tremendously. I'm just doing some uh, research and trying to uh, serve you better um, as a church. So if you don't want to fill that out, you don't have to. Just know that I will take it personally. All right, so... Um, We are in our dialogue series on prayer, and we're in week two of our series, and if you were here last week, we talked about the tabernacle prayer, what we were calling the tabernacle prayer, which was where we walked through uh, the tabernacle of the Old Testament, which was a portable church just like us in many ways, except completely not like us, but a portable church that the Israelites would set up and break down uh, consistently as they were walking through the desert headed towards the promised land. So it was this church, they would set it up, they would worship God in it, they would break it down and carry it with them. And I thought that's kind of cool because that's a lot like what we do, right? That's a lot like we, what we do week in and week out. And what we noticed was in the tabernacle, there were several, several different items and things that as you entered into the tabernacle, everything in there had a purpose Um, And the purpose of each thing was in some way, shape, or form to lead you to worship uh, the Lord. And so we just kind of said, hey, if you maybe as we're starting this prayer series and you're going, Mike, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know what to pray about. We just gave you an outline, not an outline that you can only pray. Right. But but maybe if you wanted something that you could pray, an outline that you could kind of walk through and be reminded of some things to help you worship uh, and the Lord and grow closer to the Lord. In your, in your prayer life. And so you say, um, why? Well, because sometimes prayer is hard. <laughs> and sometimes we don't always know what to pray or how to pray. And so we want to start off by maybe giving some help there. And so maybe you're in here today and you're going, man, Mike, I don't always know how to pray. I don't always know what to pray. Don't, don't be embarrassed by that. Don't, don't be ashamed by that. Because the truth is, there's a lot of people that sound like they know really well how to pray, but all they're doing is faking it until they make it. Ooh, there must be a lot of people like that in here, right? Right, And so some of us just are really good at praying because we were just taught how to fake it really well. But prayer can be hard. Prayer can be a difficult. As a matter of fact, if you read the scriptures, something that was interesting, even the disciples at the beginning were confused at how to pray. We see them in Luke chapter 11 come to Jesus, and they ask Jesus, Hey, Jesus, teach us how you're doing that teach us how to pray. Look, look Luke 11, 1, He was praying in a certain place and when he finished one of his disciples said to him, "Lord, teach us to pray." Just as John also taught his disciples, and that's in this moment right here where Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer. So if you're in here this morning and we're doing this series on prayer and you're going, "Mike, that is one of the weakest parts of my Christian life." That's one of the weakest parts of my walk with Jesus. Don't feel insecure, don't feel embarrassed. But what we want to do is hopefully through this series, give you some practical ideas to help you strengthen your prayer life. Because prayer can be a game changer for you. It's not something that we should look at and feel guilty about or embarrassed about. It's something that should be seen in our life as a power source. Because simply put, prayer is communion with the creator of the universe. It is a gift from God. Think about it. It is a gift from God that we are able to come to him, speak to him, uh, request things of him, and that he would hear us and answer us. Doesn't that blow your mind? It absolutely should. It absolutely should. This is pretty cool. I saw this in James five. Uh, 16 this week, I I read this. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And, And what's interesting is James is talking to you in that. Do you know that? He's talking to the church. He's saying, hey, church, confess your sins to one another. Yikes, right? Yikes. Some of us are like, I'm out. I'm done. No, thank you. Right. But, but what he's really saying is, church, be open and honest with one another. Be, be real about who you are, your faults, your weaknesses, where you are in life. Be, be open with one another. Get rid of the masks. Get, get, get rid of those, those masks that we often wear. And let's just be real with each other where we are and then pray for each other. Why should we pray for each other? Because the urgent request of a righteous person is powerful. It's effective, powerful, effective. The righteous man's prayer, the righteous person's prayer. How many of us, as soon as we said righteous person's prayer, was like, out? That can't be me. That must just be for the preachers. Anybody? Anybody? Here's what I would say is that if you're feeling that way and you think, oh, Mike, I need Mike to pray for me because it's only his prayers that can be effective, then you don't know me very well. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) That was from my neighbor. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me let you in on a secret about preachers. I never met one that floats around on clouds. I've never met one that just kind of soars through the air with no issues, just kind of like they're so holy, they're like see-through, you know what I'm talking about? I'm hoping one day, but no, it hasn't happened yet. The problem is sometimes we think that this stuff, like when the Bible says things like this, the, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, it's effective. We think that's only for the special people, but that's not true. It's for all Christians and so today I want to look at some effective and powerful prayers that were prayed by the church that were no different from you they were just righteous you say well how are they righteous they're righteous because Jesus makes them righteous because it's through the cross that we get our righteousness our salvation it's a life lived following after Jesus in sanctification and transformation it's him who makes us righteous and so this morning, maybe you're going, whoa, 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 preacher. So are you saying that I could pray powerful and effective prayers? Like what, pre- you saying I could pray prayers that work? Yes, I am. And you don't have to pay me any money for the trick, <laughs> right? For only $9.99, I can teach you how to pray. We'll pass the basket, but it doesn't go to me, right? We like things that work, don't we? We want our cars to work, don't we? Right? We want our microwave to work, don't we? Electricity to work, don't we? Right? We like things that work. And what I think is that if we actually believe that our prayers could work, that God heard our prayers, that God answered our prayers, then maybe, just maybe, you might want to pray. Can I get an amen? Amen. What's funny about that is I would guarantee, I would bet that there's many of us in here who do pray powerful prayers, who do pray effective prayers. You just don't know it because you pray the prayer and move on and forget to come back right? We move on with life and we forget what God did, how God answered our prayer. I I may have shared this with you guys before, but I'm sure I did. About a year ago, we were doing our fight series uh, on spiritual disciplines and I pulled out a journal that I had done whenever we were starting out the river, when we were planting the river. And as I remember writing in that journal, I was looking at it and I was writing out prayers. God, please do this. God, we need this. God, we need this. And so I pulled out that journal a couple years after later Open it up. I had never gone back to it and I looked at it. I remember going, wow, God answered that prayer. Wow, God answered that prayer. Wow, God answered that prayer. <laughs> wow, God answered that prayer. And like it was such a faith building moment because I had forgotten about all these prayers that I had prayed that God had absolutely answered. And I bet if we wrote down our prayers, I bet if we kept a tally of our prayers in one way or another, we would be able to look back and see all the amazing ways that God has answered your prayers. And I bet it would encourage us to pray more. And so this morning, we're going to look at some prayers, some effective prayers. And I'm going to start out with one that's a pretty cool prayer, a pretty cool effective prayer. Acts chapter 1 through 18. Yes, I said 1 through 18. It's going to be a lot of scripture today. Buckle up, all right? So Acts 1 through 18, uh, it's, I'm just going to jump in. About that time, King Herod cruelly attacked some who belonged to the church, and he killed James, John's brother, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too. During the days of unleavened bread, after the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after Passover. So at this point in history, Jesus has gone back up to, to heaven and King Herod is attacking, persecuting, killing Christians. But what you see here is the disciples ain't scared. What you see the disciples doing is they're going around. They're telling people about Jesus. They're planting churches. People are getting saved. And so Herod just kills James, just killed James. And now, because he saw that people like that, oddly enough, he decides to arrest Peter. So he puts Peter in jail. And did you notice that? I don't know how good your math is. Mine's not great. But it says he put four squadrons of four soldiers to to make sure that one guy doesn't get out of jail. Sixteen people to guard one person, which seems like overkill. But if you think about it, when you look at like the disciples getting put in jail, when you look at like all these Jesus followers and when they try to arrest them and stuff, some crazy things happen, don't they? Earthquakes, people getting saved, people getting set free. So really, I, think, I don't think he had enough people guarding, him, to be honest. Verse 5, it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. Prayer is being made earnestly to God for him by the church. Who was the church? Just Christians in the local area, normal working families, regular people who love Jesus, your everyday Christians. And so here they are, they see Peter's in jail, and they begin to pray for Peter earnestly. Verse 6, it says, on the night before Herod was to bring him out for execution, so he's about to get killed, just like James, Peter, bound with two chains, two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers. And he, you notice, Peter, this guy's always sleeping. Garden of Gethsemane, you remember that? Guy just passed out. Like this guy, he's about to get executed. And you know what Peter decided to do? I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> So while the sentry's in front of the door, guarding the prison, he's sleeping, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone out in the cell, striking Peter on the side. He woke him up and said, quick, get up. Is this not hilarious to anybody else but me? Peter, about to get killed, sleeping like a baby, angel, boom, bright light. Peter, <laughs> Like, this is the only time in scriptures where you see an angel hit somebody, and it's because Peter's asleep. (laughs) So the angel hits him, has to wake him up. Then the chains fell off his wrist. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. He did. Wrap your cloak around him. He told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed him. He did not know it took place. Though the angel was real, he thought he was seeing a vision. So through these people's prayers, Peter's chains have been set free. Do we believe that prayers can set chains free? Amen. Thank you. Then Peter's leading out. Peter thinks he's sleeping still. He thinks he's still in a dream. Verse 10, after they passed the first and the second guard post, so it's taken him a while to kind of wake up, they came to an iron gate that leads to the city, which opened by itself... Good grief. They went outside, past one street, and immediately the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp from all the Jewish people expected. So here comes Peter. He starts to kind of wake up, realize what's happening, realize what's going on, that God has rescued him and that the people's prayers have been answered. Verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked on the door in the gateway, and a servant named Rhoda, I kept calling her Rhonda when I was reading this, Rhoda, came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, again, this is hilarious, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran and announced that Peter was standing in the gateway. So she's so excited, she's like, Peter, it's you, and she runs away, and Peter's like, guys... I just almost was executed because you let me in. I need to get out of here. 15, you're crazy, they told her, but she kept insisting this was true. Then they said, it's his angel, so they think he's already dead. Peter, however, kept on knocking, guys, guys. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astounded. Here's what's amazing to me about this. Here we have people in a house Mary, who's been around the disciples, been around Jesus and their house, they're most likely praying for the release of Peter. Peter gets released, shows up, is knocking on the doors, guys. Guys, look what God did. And they're going, Oh, there's no way. Do you believe what you were praying for, guys? This picture right here so describes my prayer life. Anybody else? Yeah. Like, I'm praying for it. I'm praying for it. Come on, God. Come on, God. Come on. I believe you can do it. I can believe you can do it. I don't really believe you can do it. But come on, God. I'm going to pray it anyways. Let me just say this. Praise Jesus that he moves and answers our prayers even when our faith is lacking. Let me say that again because you are not amending that near enough. Praise God that he moves and answers our prayers even even when our faith is lacking. And not that so cool? Like, they're praying the prayer, and they don't even believe it's going to happen. Like, oh, it must be his angel? They think he's dead. 17, motioning to them with his hands to be silent, he explained to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Report these things to James and to the brothers, he said. Then he departed and went to a different place. At daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. You bet? <laughs> What happened to him? There were 16 of us. Where'd he go? So here we have Peter. He gets arrested. He's about to get executed. And the church prays. And God answers in a miraculous way. I want to pray prayers that God answers like that. Like, I, I don't just want my prayer life to be effective like that. I need my prayer life to be effective like that. When I pray for my family, when I pray for my church, when I pray for my friends, when I pray for forgiveness, not just forgive me, Jesus, but help me forgive others, like I need, I need, I need my prayer life to be effective. you know, sometimes when it comes to our prayer life, there are extenuating circumstances that happen or moments that kind of come together and create the perfect storm that create these powerful moments of prayer. This is one of those, right? Peter's arrested. He's in jail. He's about to be executed. The church comes together. There's this perfect storm of, of movement in the church that creates this powerful moment of prayer. God answers the prayer, right? And this morning as we're talking about prayer, I want to just talk to you about some ways that I think these circumstances or things that I think create these powerful and effective moments or times of prayer. And so one of the first places that I think we see in scripture of times of powerful prayer and effective prayer is in persistence in prayer. If you're taking notes this morning, that's one of our first blanks. Times of powerful prayer is in persistence in prayer. And I believe this morning that the church was being persistent in praying for Peter. Now, I don't know this as a fact, but I believe the reason why all these people were at Mary's house that night is because they were praying for the release of Peter. There's another story in the scriptures where Jesus is teaching the people and he teaches them about the power of persistence. Let me read it to you this morning, Luke 18, 1 through 8. It's called the parable of the persistent widow. Then he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not become discouraged. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect man and a widow in that town who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, I don't respect man, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I love the way he says that, She keeps pestering me. I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. (laughs) Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to the elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you, he will swiftly grant them justice. (laughs) this story is about a lot of things but at the center of it some of it's about the end times but at the center of it it's a story about a judge who doesn't care about God doesn't care about justice doesn't care about people and a widow who we think of as an elderly lady but in reality she could have been somebody in her mid to the young early 30s right coming she needs help she needs justice and the judge doesn't care He's not going to give her justice. He's not going to move. He's not going to act. But eventually, because of her persistence, because she keeps pestering him, like literally what I love here is if you look at the, the Greek picture of this, it's the idea is, this, is, is like a black eye. So it says that she's constantly giving him a black eye. Jab, 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 jab. And eventually he's like, okay, I'll give you what you need. It says because of her persistence, persistent pestering, the judge moves on her behalf. And you're going, so is this what Jesus wants me to do? Jab, 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 right hook? And then he'll answer me, yes. No. You can't give Jesus a black eye. You can't pester him. You can't bother him. What he's saying here is that this uncaring judge who doesn't care about justice, God, or other people Yet moves because of persistence, relents because of persistence. Jesus contrasts this judge with himself and says, if he will give justice due to persistence, how much more will God? Don't give up in your prayers. Don't give up in your prayers. Don't give up in your prayers. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, and the Lord will answer. Don't give up. It may not be the answer you want, it may not be the solution you want. But Jesus is saying, stay faithful, keep praying. Don't be, one of the keys here is don't be discouraged. The Lord hears your prayer and your persistence. A second place where we see powerful prayer is in partnership with others. So not just in persistence, but when we come together with other people. What's interesting is I've already given you two examples of that this morning. One was in James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is powerful in its effect. Confess to one another, be real, be honest, be open with one another, and pray for each other in your weakness. Not like, hey, Mike, I'm struggling. With you. I got you, man. I'll pray for you at some point. No, like right now, as a church body, as a family, pray together for one another. There's power in that. God moves in that. Another place where we saw God answer a group of people praying was in Acts this morning when our story with Peter, verse twelve five. So Peter was kept in pres- prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God by the church. Peter's in jail. His friend was just murdered. His future's not looking good. And the church rises up. They come together, pray together, and God answers. God moves. There is power, River Church, there is power when a group of people come together and pray with a singular focus, with a singular purpose. Do you believe that this morning? One of us, thank you for your belief. You know, that's really one of the biggest hearts behind this entire, entire series is that we would spend time through this prayer series not just growing closer to God through prayer, but that we would grow closer together through prayer. There is, uh, if you've been able to make it, some of you would know that we have Sundays. We've been opening up the doors at 10, so we can come in here and just have a time of focused prayer on Sunday mornings. Why? Because we believe it's powerful when we pray together. Last week, we prayed that the river would be a place of hope and life in our community, that we would be a church in Watauga where people can find joy, Jesus life. This week, we prayed for the school that we meet in, that God would bless the teachers, that God would bless the families who come to this school, that we would be able to bless them as a church. Why? Because we believe there's power when groups of people come together and pray together for a purpose. Our hope is that in your community groups, you're praying for one another. You're praying for each other's needs. You're coming together. At the end of service, we're giving you opportunities to pray, take communion, pray together with each other. That's what we want. Because we believe that God moves and speaks when the church comes together and prays. Let me just one more time. Do you believe that? Thank you. And you know, one of the most powerful examples of effective prayer. So you've got persistence, you've got partnership with other people. One of the most powerful examples of effective prayer happens in these moments of pressure and pain in our lives. The story of Peter this morning was a great example of one of those moments of effective power and prayer through pressure and pain. Sometimes in life, we experience these moments. They can be big, small, long-lasting, short, but there are these moments where we experience God in some amazing ways. I had a friend who walked through one of these moments. Uh, Her husband owned a little miniature helicopter called a gyrocopter. And he was flying it one day and had a malfunction and he started to crash land. And so he called her on his cell phone and said, hey, honey, I'm about to crash. My cell phone's about to die. I've got it under control. I'll call you whenever I land. Right. Unfortunately, his cell phone was about to die. So all she got was honey crashing about to die. So she grabs the kids, gets them in the car, and is heading to where the GPS says that his his airplane or his uh, gyrocopter is about to crash. And she's driving, driving, driving. And she said later on, she was telling uh, the, one of her friends about the story. And she said, "Yes." She said, "On the way there, I was just praying. God help him. I was just praying, 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 praying." And one of the kids grabbed her and said, "Mom, you weren't praying. You were cussing the whole way there." <laughs> You know what? You may fire me for this, but I believe God heard that prayer. <laughs> she says she was speaking in tongues, not cussing. But ah, I don't know about that, right? Sometimes we don't know what to pray. <laughs> but there's these moments of prayer. By the way, he was okay, just so you know, so you're not worried about it. Some of y'all just be thinking about that for the rest of the time. Did he live? He didn't make it. But that would not make the story as fun. Just kidding, he did. All right. Sometimes we have these moments of pressure and pain in our lives. And we don't like them, life would be a lot easier if we didn't happen, if they didn't happen. But it's also in these moments that we feel God in some incredible ways. It's in these moments that we see some of God's biggest miracles. And, and sometimes God, um, it doesn't mean again that we always get what we want or things turn out how we expect, but It's in those moments where things are hurting and things are scary, where we feel the Lord, where he heals us, he moves us. There's this psalm I love that David wrote, and he's literally, he's on the run from King Saul. King Saul's chasing him, he's trying to kill him, and you talk about a pain and pressure moment. If you're being chased by the king of a country who's trying to kill you, this is kind of a big deal. And so here David, as Saul is out pursuing him, trying to kill him, he writes this psalm, and it's called A Praise for Deliverance. I love this, Psalm 18. I'm going to start in verse 4. David said, The ropes of death were wrapped around me. The torrents of destruction terrified me. The ropes of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. But I called to the Lord in my distress, and I cried to my God for help. This is his prayer. And from his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. It's in these moments of pain and pressure, they cause us to cry out to the Lord. They cause us to reach out to the Lord in ways that we never have before. And we see God respond look at how God responds verse 7 and then the earth shook and quaked the foundations of the mountains trembled they shook because he burned with anger smoke rose from his nostrils and consuming fire from his mouth coals were set ablaze by it he parted the heavens and came down a dark cloud beneath his feet he rode on a cherub and flew soaring on the wings of the wind He made darkness his hiding place, dark storm clouds his canopy around him, and from the radiance of his presence his clouds swept onward with hail and blazing coals. Verse 13, the Lord thundered from heaven, the Most High projected his voice, he shot arrows and scattered them, he hurled lightning bolts and routed them, the depths of the sea became visible, the foundations of the world were exposed at your rebuke, Lord. At the blast of the breath of your nostrils, you reached down from heaven and took hold of me. He pulled me out of deep waters. Anybody need to be pulled out of some deep waters before? He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. You ever face an enemy that was too strong for you? That you couldn't pull yourself out? If you haven't yet, just wait. You will. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in my distress, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out of a spacious place, and he rescued me. I love this. He rescued me because he delighted in me. How cool is that? In these moments of pain and pressure in our lives, we cry out to the Lord, And I know I keep saying this, but the answer may not always be what you want. But when we cry out to him in these moments of pressure and pain, he moves. And he moves on your behalf. One of these moments in my own life, and I almost didn't share this story with you this morning, but I'm going to. One of the ways that he rescued me, I feel like, was when our son Gideon was born. And we were in the delivery room, and I remember being in there, and things were kind of going very slowly. And... Just kind of in there forever, it felt like. And there was this moment before the delivery when uh, Gideon's heartbeat, it kept going in and out, in and out. And they were kind of it was getting real weak. And so the nurses weren't really saying anything to us about it. They weren't really, you know, annoyed. they weren't making a big deal. But you could kind of tell that there was a little tension. You could tell they're a little stressed because they kept coming in and checking it, right? And so I'm like, our first kid, I'm like, you know, I'm paying attention to everything. I'm like, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, Um, As this is kind of happening, out of nowhere, they lose the heartbeat completely. And so in that moment, it just kind of goes out, you know, the beep, 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 and there's just nothing. And then out of nowhere, all these nurses just come rushing in. And I don't remember how there's probably five or six nurses. It felt like at least coming in there, and they they start grabbing Katie, and they're flipping her around every which way and moving her body, trying to to find the heartbeat or release the pressure. They thought maybe the uh, cord was wrapped around his neck, and so they're moving around, moving around, moving around, just flipping her. And I just remember like it got crazy, like so much so that one of the nurses started freaking out, and the doctor, praise Jesus for her, grabbed the nurse by the shoulders and said, "You have got to calm down." Like. That's not a good moment when the doctor's having to calm down the nurses. You know, like, oh, this is this is making me feel real good, you know. But I just remember this madness. And I remember they've got Katie laying on her side in this weird position. She's got the, the, the breathing mask on. I'm holding her hand. I remember just looking into her eyes and like, I just remember, like, there's fear there, but there was, like, this absolute, like, determination and just, like, focus that I feel like only a mom could understand or have, like, this baby is going to be okay. (laughs) And I remember in that moment, like, there's nothing I could do. Right, there's nothing I could say. There's not just hold my wife's hand, look into her eyes, and pray, Jesus help my boy, Jesus help my boy, Jesus help my boy, Jesus help my boy. (laughs) And then like as fast as it began, it ended. The heartbeat comes back. They the nurses start to move out. They say everything's good, it's all gonna be okay. They leave the room and I remember like I know y'all aren't going to believe this, but I just like sobbed and I was just bawling next to Katie on that bed. <laughs> and what I believe is that the Lord answered my prayer. What I believe is that he moved heaven and earth to come take care of my boy. <laughs> and some people might say, oh, that, that stuff, that happens a lot in delivery rooms and that it's not that big of a deal. But to me, it was a really stinking big deal. And I believe that the Lord heard my cry. I believe he answered my prayer. I believe he used nurses with quick reflexes and wise judgment. I believe he used a doctor with a calmness under pressure. I believe that in my distress, the Lord heard my cry from his temple. My voice reached his ears. The Lord shook the earth and the earth quaked. He parted the heavens. He came down and he rescued my boy because he delights in him. And let me tell you, River Church, this morning in your moments of pain and pressure, the Lord hears your cry too. He hears your voice too. And in these moments, our prayers can be powerful. They can be effective. Because I believe it's in these moments that we realize our only hope is in him. The only answer is in him. It's in these, mo- these, these moments we cry out to him out of pureness of heart. And as he answers, we trust him more deeply. He sanctifies us. He transforms us. He grows us. Even if we're praying the prayer and we don't even believe he can actually answer it, he moves in the answers. And he speaks on your behalf. This morning, River Church, we're going to pray. And I I don't know where you're at, I don't know what I don't know what prayer you need God to hear this morning, right? What, what kind of prayer you need to be powerful and effective. Maybe, maybe you need to pray, pray a prayer of persistence this morning. You just got to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. I, I don't know if you need to pray a prayer of community with other believers and you need to just get together with some people this morning and just say, hey, pray for me. I need to pray about this. I want to pray about this thing this morning with a, with a purpose. I need you all to join me in this prayer. I, I don't know. Maybe you need to pray a prayer of pain and pressure this morning. But whatever that prayer is today, I encourage you to pray it. What's going to happen is the band's going to come and they're going to play and we can worship to what a beautiful name Jesus is because it's only by Jesus' name that our prayers are answered, amen? And we're going to have communion set up down here and if you would like, you come down, you take communion, maybe you grab a couple people you want to pray with. Whatever that looks like, sounds like, feels like for you, but I want to encourage you, pray this morning. And you can worship can worship but pray. Whether it's a prayer of persistence, a prayer with other people, or a prayer of pain and pressure, pray this morning. And the Lord hears your prayers. He hears your prayers. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. Thank you that you're the Lord and the God who hears our prayers, that in our distress, we cried out to the Lord and he heard our voice, Jesus. Thank you that you give us examples in scripture of how you answer prayers, how you move, God. Thank you that even in moments of weakness and moments when I don't believe, you still answer and move and heal, God. Jesus, I pray this morning that as we worship you, Father, I pray this morning that as we cry out to you and we pray to you, Whatever that looks like for us, God, that you would respond, that you would move, that you would heal, that you would anoint this room, you'd anoint this place, and that we would get answers today, God. Not that we would pray prayers, and that we would say, yeah, someday the Lord will answer me. But God, I pray that you would answer prayers today, that you would move today, that you would speak today, that you would heal today, that you would save today, Jesus. Not someday, but today, God if we'd only be bold enough to cry out and ask for your help, Jesus. Lord, I love you. I trust you, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.